to be with you again. It's been a little while since I was here, and um, yeah, time just flies, doesn't it? John and I were just sharing earlier the interruptions we've had over the last few years with COVID and lots of other things. But it is great to be with you and to share with you. And whilst as churches don't have a, a great deal of contact, I know that we share the same urgency in preaching the gospel of Jesus. We've got um, Tom Heisman with us now, Paul Manard having left, and he's already making a great impact. Um, so, lovely to be with you. I just wanted to say something about Bridgemead. You probably, many of you know about Bridgemead, and um, Bridgemead is um, um, facing big challenges at the moment, and I've got some of these leaflets with me. In fact, I've left them with John, and if anybody would like to have a look at one of these, take one away, pray for the work of Bridgemead, um, there's a lot in there to give you uh, uh, food for thought and for prayer. So I'll, I'll leave those with, with John. So um, this morning we're looking at Psalm 71. So if you'd like to turn to Psalm 71, we'll, have a, we'll read that t- together before we see what God wants us to hear from it. So Psalm 71 <clears throat> and commencing at verse 1. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Never never let me be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be to me my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of evil and cruel men. For you have been my hope, O Sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become like a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. But as for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvellous deeds. Even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God. You who have done great things, who, O God, is like you? Though you have made me see troubles, many and 
bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will rise up. You will, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. I will praise you with the heart for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I whom you have redeemed. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Isn't that a great song? Amen. Amen. It's a great song. Well, we're going to be looking at it uh, uh, with the time we've got available. But I want us <clears throat> to focus our thoughts on just two verses. When we look at the whole psalm, but focus on two verses, verses 17 and 18, where David, or the psalmist, says, Since my youth, O God, sorry, yes, since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvellous deeds, even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. This morning we're, we're, we're thinking of um, the phrase finishing well. That's our sort of thought, really. From the perspective of what the psalmist, who I personally recognise as David, um, does. He, he's, he writes as a mature man. And he looks back on his past experience of God and he reflects on the present and he looks forward to the future. So we've got a past, present and a future. So he says, since my youth, O God, you have taught me. He's writing in the past tense. And to this day... I declare your marvellous deeds. He's writing in the present tense. <clears throat> Even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to go. He's speaking of the future. So he's speaking uh, with his focus on the past, but his focus on the present and the future as well. And so three things, firstly, recalling the past. <clears throat> this is, as I say, the psalm of a man looking back, David, since my youth, O God, you have taught me. But the question that raises is, well, what actually has God taught him from the past? Uh, in earlier verses, he brings to mind the many difficulties he faced as he reflects on earlier years. He's not specific. He's not specific in this song, but we get a sense of what he has in mind. Look at verses 5 and 6. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. And look who he's addressing. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord. He's addressing Yahweh. He's addressing the sovereign God, the creator of, of this world, the sustainer of this world, his redeemer. 
And, and he knows that the God who he's addressing is sovereign over all. There is no power like our God. And so he says, you, O sovereign God, have been my hope. So, you know, his hope is not in himself or in anybody else, not even the National Health Service. His hope is in the sovereign God. Not only so, his confidence has been in this same sovereign God since his youth. And he's relied on this sovereign God since his birth. So, so this is what this looks like, you see. This is, this is what this, the psalmist David does. He looks back with confidence, not in himself, but in the sovereign God throughout all of his difficulties of his youth. And his difficulties are related here. He says, you get a sense of this in, 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 in verse 1. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. And, and in verse 3, be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Now, as I say, David is not specific about his difficulties. And if it is David who wrote this psalm, I believe that to be the case, he may have had a number of incidents in mind as he looks back to his youth. For instance, <clears throat> he had faced wolves and lions and bears when looking after the family sheep. And, and think on a little bit, his encounter with Goliath when he was a youth, really, in King Saul's service, slaying Goliath, not with weapons of war, but with the tools of his trade. He just used the tools of his trade. And it wasn't the tools of his trade that, that gave him victory over Goliath, it was the sovereign God in whom he trusted. The tools of his trade were just instruments in God's service. And then think of those years in exile when he was pursued relentlessly by King Saul, who sought to take his life for no good reason. I'm sure that, that he had these sorts of incidents and maybe others in mind as well. And, and as he looks back, what one lesson has he learned? Well, simply this, that God had been his refuge. Look at verse 1 again. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. And verse 3, be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. And, and God has been in verse 5, his hope and his confidence, the one on whom he's relied. Simply stated, he could say, at all times and in all circumstances, God has preserved my life. He's never once abandoned me. As I look back, I can see his providences. And never once has he abandoned me? Not once. Now, David was not perfect. And David might have been the author of his own misfortunes from time to time. But he'd never been abandoned by God. And, and, and had always known, in the past, God's faithfulness. And so he comes with thanksgiving. <clears throat> and in preparation for this message, I did reflect on the fact that we just recently marked the passing of the late queen uh, and latterly she spoke openly of the strength that she had found throughout her life through her faith in God during the many troubles and um, what about you and what about me maybe 
you can reflect privately on difficult experiences that you know you've had in your past. And you can, there may be milestones, there may be things that you can point to in, in your past where you've been up against it. Um, and maybe health issues, maybe relationship issues, maybe losses you've suffered, maybe mistakes you've made, that you've made. I, I know I can do that myself. But for those who trust God, we can thank him that he's always been with us, he's never abandoned us, and we've often known him closer when the difficulties of our life have been the greater. This is what God taught the psalmist. And as I look back, I know that God has taught me much of himself through those experiences, and I'm sure you can as well. But John reminded us earlier that we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We need to have accepted Jesus into our lives because if we haven't, then we can't know him as our sovereign God. Neither can we know him as our shepherd, which we sang um, earlier. And so do you know Jesus as your saviour? Have you grown, have you known him as your hope in difficult times as you reflect? Have you grown closer to God through the difficult experiences that life has taught you. I hope we can all reflect on these things. Because as we do, it helps us to move into the present, which is what we now do. <clears throat> because the recollections of God's grace in the past gives us contentment in the present. And although David is writing as a mature man, he still experiences difficulties. He's now king. He has battles to fight with the enemies of Israel. He has his own battles to fight internally with temptation to sin. I'm reading to Samuel at present, reflecting on the many victories, the many great victories that David had. Uh, in battle with the Philistines and other of Israel's foes. And then I notice the scene changes when David is caught up in adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah, her husband. David knew God's forgiveness, but the consequences were disastrous for him. I wonder where he is now, as he writes this psalm, where is he on this journey? He would face the loss of his son by Bathsheba. And subsequently, he, he faced strife in his own family as his own son Absalom turned against him and sought to be a, become king in his place. And David had to cope latterly with the divided kingdom. I wonder where he is on that journey as he writes this psalm. <clears throat> Listen to what he says, verse 4. Deliver me, O my God, from the hands of the wicked, from the grasp of evil and cruel men. This is his present experience. This is not his past. This is what's happening to him right now. Deliver me from these evil, wicked and cruel men. They speak against me, verse 10. They wait to kill me. They conspire 
together. Verse 11, they say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. So he, he's really up against it. We don't know actually what the present circumstances are, but they don't sound very easy for him, even though he's king, a mature man. <clears throat> and of course, there were others in the Bible, weren't there, that didn't find life easy. So it happens alongside Samuel. Um, I'm reading Jeremiah as well, uh, through the scripture you notes that, that we share at home, and he didn't have it easy, did he? On the prophet Jeremiah, he was serving God, he was being faithful to God, he, he got God's word on his lips, and he got the spirit of fire in his heart, in his belly, and he preached for all he was worth, and every time he opened his mouth, he got trouble from God's enemies, even within Israel. Oh, Jeremiah didn't have it easy either, and neither did the Apostle Paul, did he? He can talk of his many experiences, just being faithful to God, being hounded out of cities and left for dead and shipwrecked. And of course, we can turn our focus on Jesus, who himself was persecuted for the whole of his ministry and was crucified. No life is not easy for those who are faithful to God. They're up against it. And so the question that this raises is, what is it that David has learned from the past that could make him content in the present? What is it? Verse 3. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. You have been my rock of refuge, verse 1. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. You have been, you are, you still are. <clears throat> Verse 7, he talks about God as his strong refuge. And then in verse 12, listen to this cry. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. You see, his knowledge of God's grace in the past gives him contentment in the future, in, in, in the present. Gives him contentment in the present. And of course, David also had an eternal perspective. He knew that he knew, he knew that God would keep him safe in eternity. Following the death of that baby born to Bathsheba, he said, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And in 2 Samuel, David looks forward to meeting with the Lord. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So he knew that God was always going to be with him, even in eternity, and therefore God can be with him now. So the question this raises is, was this all wishful thinking on the part of David? Even if God had helped him in the past, how, he could, be, how could he be sure that God would do so now in his presence? Wasn't it arrogant of him to do so? And we do have those doubts sometimes, don't we? We're facing difficult issues now. And we know God has been with us, but is he going to do it again? I mean, can't, can't we, we do, I don't suppose we doubt for one moment that he can, but, but will he? How can I be sure? 
But you see, as we look back, we can draw encouragement from the faithfulness of God and we can trust his promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. And that word never means now as well as the future. He will not forsake us now. Not now, not in the future, not in eternity. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what, what difficulties are you facing now? Reflect on them, think about them. If you can... If you know you're trusted in the Lord Jesus for salvation, you can draw confidence from the fact that whatever your present circumstances, you can trust the God who has been faithful in the past. God never changes. We've had a difficult week at home, and next week looks as though that might be difficult as well. And so when when I was preparing this, I wasn't just preparing it for you guys, uh, uh, mind you, I'd, I'd determined to preach from this psalm before that anyway. And I, I really felt that God was speaking to me. So God has spoken, is speaking to me. God had to speak to me first before I could speak to you this morning. But maybe you're facing difficult things at the moment. Do draw encouragement from God who has blessed you in the past. The writer to the Hebrews assures us, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And he adds, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, forever, and today. (laughs) And that's true of us, therefore, at every stage of our lives. So we thought about Recalling the past, we thought about contentment in the future, in the present, sorry, contentment in the present. And that takes us finally to confidence for the future. Even as David ponders his present difficulties, he looks forward in confidence to the future. But will you notice with me that there is not a hint of any preoccupation on the part of David, that things might get better. That is not his preoccupation at all, as he looks to the future. Not that somehow, maybe, things will get better for him. There's not a word about this in this psalm, as he looks to the future. You might think that towards the end of his life, he'd be looking forward to things getting easier, maybe even putting his feet up after... All all of his busy, busy life. Not a bit of it. What does he say? Verse 18. Look at verse 18, which is part of our focus. Even, he says, when I'm old and grey, he's looking, looking to the future now, you see. He's not there yet. He's looking there. Even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, O God. Not so that I can put my feet up and rest easy. Till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. 
David's ambition for later life was not so much to enjoy the fruits of the success of his earlier years, but to proclaim God's goodness to a younger generation. Listen to what he says. Verse 9. Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Is he asking that for selfish reasons? Not a bit of it. Look on, verse 14. But as for me, I shall always have hope. I will praise you more and more. Verse 15. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I do not know its measure. Verse 16. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O Sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. And our verse 18. Do not forsake me, O Lord, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. David anticipates his older years and sees it as an ongoing opportunity to praise God not to put his feet up and not to hope that somehow things will get better. Just give me the opportunity to praise you. That's all I want. Right to the end. And this is a great challenge to people in later life, but it's also a challenge to those who are approaching later life. Um, what are our aspirations as we approach later life? We've already reflected on our, our late queen less than 48 hours before her death at 97, she was receiving the resignation of one prime minister and swearing in his successor. She certainly finished well. What about us this morning? Whatever our stage in life and as we look to the future, where, what is our aspiration? What's our goal? What's our great ambition? <clears throat> and, and I was... Struck, I, I recalled a phrase that I read in a book once by John Piper. This has been around for a while. Uh, uh, do you know this book? Don't Waste Your Life. Do you know it? Have you read it? Okay. <clears throat> I just want to share something with you from John Piper. He, he talks about a tragedy. A tragedy. What is a tragedy? And he used the example of two missionary ladies, both about the age of 80, serving the Lord in Cameroon. And one day they drove out together and the car went over the edge of a cliff. And it was fatal. <clears throat> they didn't survive. And he asked the question, was that a tragedy? And he said, well, emphatically, no. And so what he then does is describes what a tragedy what a tragedy is. Let me read what he says about a tragedy. He, he read in the Reader's Digest, actually, I don't know if it's British or American, <clears throat> about a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the northeast of the States five years ago. He was 59 and she was 51. And now they lived in Florida. And this is what they do. They cruise on their 30-foot trawler. They play softball and they collect Shells. That's what they do. Tragically, this was their dream. 
Come on, to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and at the last great work of your life, before you give an account to your creator, be this, playing softball and collecting shells. Picture then before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, look at my shells. That is a tragedy. That really struck me at the time, and as I was preparing this message, that came to my mind. You can actually YouTube that if you like. It's Don't Waste Your Life, John Piper. Go onto YouTube, and you'll see this amazing video of him preaching that. <clears throat> and David would have said anything to this. His great ambition was to see out his years praising God and commending him to the next generation. We're running out of time. Listen to what he said. I have listened to what the Apostle Paul said. I have fought the good fights. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We don't have time for a conclusion. But my conclusion is this. Are we going to finish well? Our greatest joy will be to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>